In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we we salute you. you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena Podcast. I'm Jim Ramos. I'm here with our producer, co-host, good friend Dale Culver. How you doing, my man? I'm doing awesome, bro. Hey, I'm really excited about uh, today's guest. We interviewed him way back on episode 122 about his book, Rough Cut Men. He has a ministry of the same name, and uh, he's become a good friend over the last uh, couple years, and he is spreading the gospel around the world in a totally unique way. I'm super excited for our listeners to hear about what he's got going on. But before we bring him on, do you got a man word for us? I do, and this one, I didn't pull it off his book. I pulled it off his website, and I was like, that is great. And the thing is, this morning, my small group, we actually, my team, we actually talked about this. What are you just, word, I'm not even going to guess. Just give the it word to me. is engage. Engage. And, uh, and the reason why I grabbed that off was because this dude's whole thing here is to get men to begin engaging with one another in an authentic and transparent way. And that is so it. key. And we talked about that this morning. Guys who do not get engaged with other guys uh, and, and share life. They become those lone wolf. They get picked off. Yep, that's true. Well, that's why I'm excited about our virtual teams. We've got six teams starting in the next six weeks, and guys, Canada truckers on long haul truckers uh, on our getting on a team. We've got guys all around the country doing this thing. I'm really, really excited because you can't go through this journey alone. You just can't do it. We need to have a battle buddy. We need to have a guy who has our six, and I'm really excited about this. So, hey, do you have a shout-out from uh, iTunes? Yeah, this is from the IT guy. IT guy Ellis is his name. And so thank you for your review, bro, and I'm glad you're back on and listening again. And and all that other stuff was boring you, so thanks for that review. (laughs) What was boring him? (laughs) He just took a little break, and then he came back and went, man, I love this. I I do that, too. I I have a couple podcasts, Hunt Back Country podcasts. I just started listening to another one, and I just kind of ebb and flow with with it. uh, You kind of get in and out of mood. So, hey, welcome back, man. Yeah. And uh, we'll send you some swag. Share this with your friends, you guys, and uh, and, uh, leave us a review, and we'd love to send you some swag out. Hey, so, and awesome. if you don't know what swag is, uh, you'll find out once you uh, do a review. 
GTS that thing, man. Hey, I uh, want to brag about my new guest. Google that stuff. Oh, <laughs> hey, that's in a something. You know it, baby. <laughs> hey, I want to brag about my new friend. Uh, not new friend. He's kind of become an older friend. David Dusek. Now, guys, what you want to do after you listen to this podcast, go all the way back. Episode 122. We interview him about his book, Rough Cut Men. Your boots on the ground action item today is going to be from that book and not from this interview. So I want you to be ready for that. David is 53 years old. He lives in Sarasota, Florida with his beautiful wife, Joni. They've been married 14 years. Uh, as of this podcast, it's coming up here. He's the author of Rough Cut Men, a man's battle guide to building real, real relationships with each other and with Jesus. He's got a new book coming out soon. And when that book comes out, guys, we'll bring him back on the show and talk about the book. The book is going to be is called The Battle, The Battle, Tactics for Biblical Manhood Learned from the 7th Cavalry in Vietnam. Vietnam. And if you've ever seen the movie We Are Soldiers, it's about those guys. So you're going to want to check this book out. I'm really excited to read that. And 14 years ago, David got involved in ministry, uh, and he founded Rough Cut Men, which utilizes major motion picture clips as parables to engage men of all spiritual levels. He travels literally around the world using Rough Cut Men movies and his powerful testimony to get men to be transparent with one another and with Jesus. He's spoken to over a million men since founding RCM, engaging them with other men, there's our word, Dale, engaging, in a, in a David and Jonathan model of friendship. His mission is to break down walls in the lives of men in an effort to combat isolation and friendlessness. In a word, we want men to help find their battle buddy. I love that, in a word, and he uses two words. That's like you, Dale. <laughs> One word, battle buddy. Anyway, uh, he's a, he's a, on fire for guys, and I love what this guy's doing with men. I want to introduce you guys, my friend David Dusek. David, how you doing, brother? Hey, man, what's up? Hey, it, it's great to have you on the show. And for those of you guys who don't know David, way back when we posted a picture on social media with a guy posing in our Men in the Arena shirt with Jack Black. That's David. So that's an <laughs> epic picture. So David, thanks so much for repping the organization. Oh man, all the time, all the time. Don't forget <laughs> Diane Keaton. He could have got yeah. A he could have got too. a picture yeah. of Diane Keaton, and he chickened out. But that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Hey David, can you do me a favor, man? Uh, give us about a five minute overview of your life and your story, so our men in the reading can get some context. Five minute overview of my personal life. Yep. Uh, born in uh, actually, born in Florida, born and raised, born in Gainesville on the campus of the University of Florida. Spent about the first 13 years of my life in Jacksonville, which is up on the North Georgia border on, of Florida. And then I moved to Portland, Oregon. You may know kind of where that area is. And yep. Spent about 18, 18, 19 years living there. Went to high school in Lake Oswego and uh, graduated there. Went to college in uh, Walla Walla, Washington. Uh, got tired of getting rained on. 285 days out of the year. So I moved back to Florida where I've been since 1999. Uh, I am a product of wrecking a marriage. Uh, my salvation came as a result of destroying a marriage that I was in basically, uh, not necessarily intentionally, but that's sort of what happened. Um, God has got a second chances. Mm -hmm. So after salvation, met my wife, Joni, uh, got married, Picked up three kids in the bonus round. We have five kids, 27, 26, 25, 24, and 22. Whoa. Uh, I, have I have two grandkids. I got a 19-month-old grandson, Bentley. I always joke about the fact that I had to wait until I was over 50 to get my first Bentley. Uh, <laughs> and then I've <laughs> – and Addie is uh, our granddaughter. She's five, and they live up in Greenville. So we've got a, a daughter here in Florida. We've got a daughter in Chicago. 
Uh, our oldest boy lives in Greenville, South Carolina. We have one young man who's special needs, uh, 24, that lives here at home with us. And then our youngest is uh, in school and on staff at this little tiny church in Australia called Hillsong. Mm, um, never heard of it. He's been he's been <laughs> he's been there for about he's been there for about three years. My passion, obviously, I go to sleep at night, wake up in the morning, trying to figure out how to get guys to not make the same idiotic mistakes I made in my pre-salvation life, and to equip them to be the best husband, father, and man of God and legacy builder that they can be uh, in the breath that they have on this earth. Man, that's awesome. And I, it just seems like your passion is getting hotter and hotter every year. Uh, it is. It is. And, you know, God continues to open doors. He closes doors. I'm not, you know, people say, oh, God always opens doors. But honestly, there's I've walked into as many closed doors. I mean, my nose is flat like a Pekingese who chased a parked car. I mean, I just, <laughs> you know, I've, I know. And of course, I'll rattle the doorknob and try and open it again. Think it's going to open, and it doesn't. And, and then he'll he'll do something. First of all, that's completely out in left field that I never saw coming. And it's invariably, you know, what it says in Ephesians three twenty. It's exceedingly abundantly beyond anything I could ever ask yeah. or imagine. He just takes my thought and and just multiplies it to the ridiculous, and then puts it back in my hands and says, "See there, that's what I wanted you to do right there." Uh, I'm a big, dumb, stupid animal. It takes me a few times to try and figure out that the door is closed or this is a bad idea. Uh, but he's been faithful, man. We've been at this uh, literally for 14 years and uh, with no secondary income, no marketplace job, neither me nor my wife. And we haven't missed a meal yet. We put kids through college, still own the home and still have the car. So that's all we need and the breath in our lungs and and we're good to go. So, I mean, God has, has kept us moving this whole time. Yeah, that's what people don't realize about guys like you and me in the nonprofit world is that they see our picture out there. They, they have a speaking. They go, oh, these guys are like multimillionaires. It's just not like that. We're driven by no. mission, and we're not driven by money. We, if we have enough money to survive, we're happy, but it's all about the mission. That's what people, I think, don't understand sometimes in the marketplace. But, you know, this is interesting. One of the things I'm having to work on, David, and let's just talk about this a little bit, is you know, balancing pushing through that door with being humble at the same time. And in other words, yeah. I've had to really address this component in my life. Why am I wanting to speak? I've had to deal with that. God has been dealing with me in that area, and I've had to say, well, Lord, a lot of it for me is an ego boost. <laughs> me personally. Well, at least you're at least you're honest. Yeah, so, as if you could lie. As if you could lie and him not know. Well, I tried to do that, <laughs> and I realized oh, yeah. who I was talking to, and I, and I, it's just right. fun to kind of interact with God. And I surrendered that, and a week later, the phone's ringing to get me out to Africa to do some stuff which I never thought about. And so there's a real brokenness yeah. that comes from that. So uh, speaking of brokenness, I want to I want to throw you into our rapid fire round. Great. And, and if you remember this, man, I'm going to throw some words at you. And what I've done, David, is I've, I've gone gone off your organization, off your book, and, and uh, some of the things you're doing and your video series. You gave me access to this wonderful, wonderful video series you do with men, and I really appreciate that. And so I've just got a couple words or phrases I'm going to ask you about, and I want to know why those are so important to you. Are you ready? You ready for this? Go. Oh, you know it, baby. Here's the first one. Very simple. Rough cut. Rough cut is Philippians 1.6. He is faithful to complete the work that he started in us. Uh, the rough cut in a movie, very simply, is the first raw, unedited version of a movie. So when you sit down in front of a screen as an editor, 
you can see the overarching concept of the movie, but there's no Foley work. There's no special effects done yet. You can see the framework of what it will be, but that's about it. It gives you a very vague idea of the flow of the movie. Um, it's far from the finished product as we are, like it says in Philippians 1.6. So it's got a dual meaning uh, to me. It's, it's both a, a movie term, but it also is, is who I am. I, I won't be done until I'm in the throne room. And until then, every day, there's a little bit of sound effect, a little bit of Foley, a cast of characters is changing, cast members are being removed, others are being added, and that's how I view life uh, every day, is, is, is the rough cuts getting closer to the final edit. That's interesting. I would have never picked that. I, just knowing you, and how, <laughs> when we talk offline and we're just talking on the phone, our yeah. conversations, senior pastors probably don't talk the way you and I talk. <laughs> And so, and so to no, me, <laughs> I would strongly doubt that unless they're, unless they're bivocational and they happen to work at a racetrack or they're a soldier, uh, that's probably the only, the only place you get that kind of crossover. Well, and it's really, cause I, when you said rough cut, I was assuming that's what you meant. Like being rough around the edges, being tough, but you're not thinking nope. that you're saying it's this rough unedited version of it's, it's the man it's the best version of a man before he becomes his best version. And that a rough cut movie clip, a rough cut film work is always in a constant state of edit. It's never done until you see it on the screen at a theater. Now, obviously there's a triple, there's a triple crossover there because rough cut men, you could take a piece of granite. And if you don't, if you don't hewn it and finish yeah. it, it is, it's, it's pretty rough cut. Um, so, we kind of love the fact that it, it it infers what you, the conclusion you arrived at, when in fact we are a movie-centric ministry. You know, a lot of churches now are celebrating these killer series called At the Movies. Everybody's doing it now where they bring in movie clips. Uh, that's like their anchor series every year. Uh, they're so proud of. Uh, we, we were at the movies before it was cool, man. We've been doing this for yeah. forever. But yep. It's just something that that really resonated. And then we took it obviously with a video series, which uh, I'm sure we'll talk about. We took it to a whole nother level uh, with that. So it became a, a, a labor of love and my favorite project. Well, you know, it's interesting. I keep going back to rough cut. You know, when I, I'm a big fan of knives and sharpening knives, it's, you know, people will bring me their knives and say, sharpen my knife. And, you know, when you get that thing on, when you get that thing initially sharpened on a coarse stone, it is sharp, it'll shave, but until it's honed, that sharpness won't last. You've got to, if you put that blade under a microscopic you know, uh, view, you see jagged pieces that are broken. And only from honing will you get that right. rough part off and that sheen and that strength. And that's what you're saying. You're effective, but not as effective. And so uh, until that final, that final cut, that's really good, man. So this next, yeah. uh, this next phrase, I've got two phrases together because I, I think they're the same. If they're not, I need you to walk me through it. The two phrases are battle buddy and who's got your six. They're the same. Well, actually one is a person, one is a compass heading. So um, obviously a battle buddy, which isn't actually the term that's used in the military. Now it's just battle. They got rid of buddy. So it's like, this guy's my battle. That means when you kick a door, he's right there beside you. Hmm. Um, usually he's right there behind you. And the reason he's behind you is he's watching the roof line to make sure he's on overwatch, making sure that someone, you know, someone doesn't shoot you in the back when you're walking through the door. Um, if you look at a clock, 
uh, for, in the world of a compass heading, forward would be your 12 o'clock, to your right would be a 3 o'clock, to your left would be your 9 o'clock, and behind you would be your 6 o'clock. So when you ask somebody, hey, watch my 6, you're telling them to turn around and watch your back. So when you ask the question, who has your 6, it means who do you have in your life that's on overwatch watching the rooftop against the enemy that's out to steal, kill, and destroy because his the, the enemy's mission is to take out the man, obviously, because he's smart enough uh, and cunning enough and plays dirty enough to know that if you take the man out of a family, you can kill a marriage, you can kill the kids, and you can kill the legacy that comes after him. Mm -hmm. And that's a one-shot, that's a one-shot multiple kill scenario, which is win-win. So he's in an elevated position firing down on a man. He's he's got the he's got the firing position. And if there's nobody looking backwards, it's a blind shot because your body armor's not back there. Your body armor's up front. Well, and our, our tagline is when a man gets it, everyone wins. And that's exactly Same. what you're saying. Take the it's man the out, exactly. take them out, take them all out. And that's, well, why do you yep. think, why do you think we are missing the boat on this? Why do you think we vilified men and haven't tried to help them in our society? Well, I, I, I don't think we would be the right pronoun. I mean, you and I are <laughs> yeah. obviously every day, every day we're busting our butts trying to make sure that we reach men and we're trying to equip churches and pastors and leaders uh, to do the same thing. I think it's a cultural phenomenon in that, um, forgive me, and I'm not going to disparage anybody in general, but I've had experiences where I've been talking to lead teams at churches uh, and, and I run into a, a big roadblock of, well, you know, we already invest all of our money in our youth ministry, our overseas missions and, and our children. Um, my, you know, any family walks into a church the first time, brand new church, they're going to look for, the first thing they're going to look for is children's ministry. Yeah. And the second thing they'll, they'll look for, you know, oh, the coffee's great. The message was just the right length. The worship is good. Okay. We found our church home. Never do they begin to, to scan the, the horizon for something for the men. The paradox in all of that is the fact that men are the biblically ordained spiritual leader of the home, the family, the community, the marketplace, the church, and the world biblically, mm -hmm. yet no one is taking the time to invest in that. No one, present company excluded, obviously, but nobody in the church world has really, there's a rare exception, but very few see men as anything of value and actually view them more as a threat. So let's, we don't want self-contained men because if we do that, then they'll stop coming to church. No, the exact opposite will occur. The family will come to church. Your tithing will go up. Your mid, middle of the night marriage interventions will dissipate your ch the children of these fathers will be better stronger faster and more engaged in the kingdom long term if dad's on point doing the job and i think until we shift the culture and get people to realize in the church world the axis of everything you're struggling to try and figure out rests squarely on the shoulders of the men that you ignore yeah, and then, our, then our, we'll never figure it out. Our mutual friend Brian Doyle, founder of Iron Sharpens Iron. By the way, I forgot to tell you, April fourth, we're doing the only Iron Sharpens Iron conference in the Northwest, and Brian's one of my keynotes. Wow, very cool. So um, maybe I'll see you here. Anyway, but he says most churches give a quarter of one percent to men's ministry, and I found that to be true. A quarter of one well, percent of their budget. I, th I think that if you get a quarter of anything, I mean, in most cases, I'm, I'm seeing, you know, a quarter of zero is zero. Yeah. Uh, and, and they leave the men to their own devices uh, to raise the funds. And I guess that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about, I mean, I I'm praying that God eventually gets us 
financially solid enough as a ministry where if someone called me in Oklahoma and wanted me to come speak to 40 men, all we would be arguing about is the, um, the date, you know, there's no honorarium. I cover travel. I go do the work. And, and you, if you want to charge your men 20 bucks a piece to come to this event, well, 20 times 40, that's $800. You can put right back into your men's ministry budget. So I'm hoping that it's kind of a win-win where I, I can go out and do ministry as a true missionary, which, you know, if you go to Managua, Nicaragua and put shoes on kids in, in the dump, you're not going to stand there with your hand out saying, where's my honorarium? Will you cover my travel? You just go mm-hmm. do it. Uh, for some reason in the men's speaking world, we haven't gotten to that point yet, but that's, that's next level. That's where I want to be someday so that I can help churches put money back into their budget by just saying, look, you can charge whatever you want for guys to come and hear me speak, but you keep all of it because you need a budget. No, I hear you, man. And, and you and I would both agree I, I don't care if you're red, brown, yellow, blue, white. I don't care what color of a man you are. Men in this country are marginalized, and it's t- and it, we have to step up. Guys like you and I, and I, I'm encouraged though, David. I, I've got I'm creating this infogram infograph, which is organizations of men all around the country and world. Who are they? And with our podcast. I've been really encouraged. There are literally <laughs> hundreds of organizations, little regional, little local organizations for men all around the country springing up. And I think that God is doing a new thing, and I'm really, really excited about that. When I get that infogram made, I'll, I'll let you check that out. Uh, I'll definitely include you on there as well, my friend. <laughs> yes, that's great. And yeah, so there's please. some great stuff. Hey, next uh, next one, I'm going to jump on into this podcast interview and talk about your organization. But I want, to, I want you to uh, work on this phrase manhood tactics and i pulled that off your new book just kind of combine some things yep well the tactics to biblical manhood um in in the field uh in a combat situation you have or in any operation in the military they've got what they call ttps which are tactics techniques and procedures everything's got a rule um everything's got a a, a way to go about it you never like I said, you never kick a door without overwatch. Uh, there are certain formations that you take when you're a four-man fire team, when you walk down an alley. I mean, everything is tactically written out, yet for some reason, in a lot of cases, we just blindly bumble along as men, hoping to figure out what we need to do biblically based on maybe the reading of the day. And sometimes a devotion has nothing to do with what we're dealing with. Now, as I've interviewed the guys that were in the Ayadrang Valley of Vietnam in 1965, all the all the men that were in the Iodrang Valley that they made we were soldiers out of, um, I discovered that a lot of them used the same, what would you call TTPs, the tactics, techniques, and procedures, uh, at, around home as a spiritual leader that you would also do in the combat theater. So a lot of the tactics that I relay in the new book are both combat and spiritually related because there's a lot of similarities to the enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy, or as Peter puts it, the lion that's out uh, prowls around looking for someone to devour. There are a lot of very, uh, very close similarities to spiritual combat as there is to real world downrange combat. And so that's where the tactical part of it came up. The, the number one book, you know, operational book of tactics would be the word of God. I mean, I, God convicted me a couple of years ago because I was spending a lot of time reading other people's work. And, you know, I love reading books, uh, but God said, you know, you really, you spend a lot of, you spend twice the time reading what other people think about me. What do you think about me? Hmm. And then I, then I was very convicted that, you know, my two to one ratio needs to be word versus other people's work. 
even though I love, you know, Craig Rochelle, Stephen Furtick, there's a whole laundry list of guys. I love reading their stuff. And, uh, that, that kind of got to me too. So our number one tactical handbook is always the word of God, but yeah. tactics require intentionality. And I think the book, the new book would definitely help somebody who's like, well, I don't even know what that means. Uh, in my, in the, in the book's case, there's things like maintaining your headquarters, because if your headquarters tent goes down and you're in a fight, you lose your comms, your communication, you lose your leadership, you lose your medical, you lose uh, in, in ingress and, and evac. You, you can't exfil off the battlefield because you can no longer get to the landing zone. All that begins and ends at headquarters. And the similarity, obviously, in the world, the world of biblical manhood would be, you know, if your ministry at home is no good, then your ministry to other people isn't going to be any good either. I mean, our number one ministry as men of the wife and children and grandkids that God has placed under the roof in our own headquarters tent. And if we don't maintain the integrity of our headquarters, then the battle is lost. And that's, that's just one example of 12 different chapters of, of where I'm coming from tactically as these parallels to spiritual combat and real world combat collide. Now that's really good, man, because you know, you've got two different groups of men. You've got this group over here that's completely anonymous. They're disengaged. They're sperm donors. They're bio dads. You know, 40% right. of children are born out of wedlock. Having a guy on my podcast later on next week, Robert Kelly, and he's a black man in Portland doing a great ministry up there. And he, he cites a stat that's scary. 70% of black children are born out of wedlock. So you've got this group over here. That that all these unwed children with uh with, that are with disengaged dads, and over here you've got these hyper successful workaholic driven guys who the tendency is to put their work and their career ahead of the marriage, yeah. and so we see these marriages folding or they become nominal only because the man is never around to make sure the comms are up. <laughs> right. So, that's man, that's true. good. I, I I can't wait to read. When's that book coming out, man? Hey, man, it's up to my agent. I have no idea. So it's done. It's written. It's it, Manuscript is done. It actually has a 21-day battle-ready devotion on the back end of it, too. So it'll be, you know, once you're done with the book, you'll have, you know, three solid weeks of, of really cool introspection. I love writing devotions. Uh, I love writing books because they're conversational, but I like devotions because they're a one-off. They're a thousand words and you're done. <laughs> and there's no continuity to any of them. So you just kind of randomly write what God puts on your heart. So you've got, it'll be, it, I'm, I'm excited about it. I just, we, we didn't go the conventional publishing way on the first book. And we decided that we would be represented this time and, and go down the, the line of a, a Zondervan or a Lifeway, trying to get a little bit more mainstream in our publication, get a better, a wider release out of the book. See, Cause I'm, the last one went number one, the last one went number one on Amazon in 2017 and so we've, we're, you know, carrying a little bit of momentum. So hopefully that'll work out. Uh, it's in God's hands. I sent it away and I left it alone. Yeah, I'm in the process of doing something very similar. Just I think it's easier to get the word out there if you do it that way. Hey, uh, tell us a little bit about Rough Cut Men. How did you start? Uh, what is your mission? You know, what are you doing right now? Give us a give us a idea of what you do with uh, Rough Cut Men. Well, Rough Cut Men. Uh, was birthed in Dothan, Alabama, believe it or not, about uh, 10 years ago, February, I was doing leadership training uh, with man in the mirror, actually in Florida in the Southeast. Oh, yeah. And, and I, uh, I did an event in Panama city and a guy came up to me and said, man, I love, I love your, your speaking style, whatever. He was delusional. Um, said, I love your speaking mm -hmm. style. I would love it if you would come and do our weekend retreat. I'm like, you know, I'm brand new in ministry at this point. I'm thinking, okay, this is great. I'm going to, 
I'm, I'm totally going to do that. Uh, and I accepted because I heard the word honorarium and I was hungry. So I figured I'd, I'd take this gig. And so I have a seven hour drive to my house and I'm on my way, I'm on my way back home. And as I get closer to home, I start panicking because I don't, I'm a trainer. I'm doing four hour leadership training. I have no idea what I talk about yeah. for a whole, a whole weekend. And when I got home, I told my wife, I said, well, good news. You know, I got a retreat. Bad news is I have no idea what to talk about. She said, well, why don't you use those? Why don't you use those movie clips that you've written down? Uh, so I actually went to Blockbuster, <laughs> if you can remember that place, oh, yeah. went to Blockbuster. <laughs> I, I rented all of the necessary DVDs, went to a TV producer buddy's house. We ripped all the clips, cut out the bad language, burned them all onto a master DVD. And off I went to do this retreat. Uh, and it was a, a crazy success. I'm like, wow, this is really cool. And I started getting speaking inquiries and, and we didn't have a name yet. And I told my wife, I said, you know, I'm going to go do another event. She goes, you know, you really need a name. And so she Googled movie terminology. And the first thing she said from the bedroom is how about rough cut men? And I said, okay, sounds good to me. And she says, no, it's like Philippians six, all the stuff I was telling you about. Uh, and so my wife actually named the ministry, which was, was wow. perfect because she's my teammate. Um, and, and now, I mean, fast forward 10 years later, I'm, I'm on the road about 120 days a year. I just came back from uh, two weeks in New Zealand. I've been in New Zealand, Korea, Germany, France, uh, and all over the United States, uh, Alaska, Canada, uh, speaking to groups as small as 50 and as many as 5,500 uh, and groups from every, literally every denomination. We've done the Rough Cut Men movie experience, which is a either a Friday night, half day Saturday or all day Saturday event that deals with uh, friend, friendship, relationship, support, encouragement, accountability, uh, legacy, fatherhood, marriage, all those things that plague a man. But I use movie clips as my anchor. So uh, I use Rudy, for example. I use guy movies. So I use Saving Private Ryan, Rudy, Walk the Line. Uh, we Were Soldiers, Lone Survivor. I mean, I'm using guy movies. Uh, but I present a, the same message that men have heard a hundred times in a completely different way. Uh, with the end game being, I don't care if I don't want them to invite me back. I'm a one-off. I'm going to come in. My goal is not that I'm going to entertain you uh, and then have you get up on the mountaintop and then kick you all off the mountaintop. My goal is that every guy leaves with two things. First, he leaves ready to, to make a change in one part of his life, whether it's his marriage or his parenting or it's forgiveness, uh, just a 1% improvement in something the next day. Because 1% day over day will eventually become 100. Mm -hmm. And the second thing I want them to do is I want no man to walk out of there without cover fire. Uh, we're really good at playing the church game. I can give you a heads up and a fist bump. I'm, I can read your name on a name tag. But at the end of the day, I'm traveling alone. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't want to tell you what's going on in my life because I'm embarrassed or it's, it's debilitating or I, I'm afraid of what you'll think of me. But here's the deal. Every man in every church everywhere has junk going on right now. Yep. And we, and the bag of tricks that the enemy uses ain't all that big. And it's been around for a, a long time. Yep. And so what I do is I, there are strategic breakout fire team discussions. Fire team is four people. And during the event, I will take men from an inch deep and a mile wide to, hey, I think my wife hates me in the span of eight hours so that they don't leave alone. Because the minute you sit down with a guy and say, my dad was a jerk and I've never been able to recover and he's been dead for 10 years, uh, 
And another guy at the table says, wow, I thought I was the only one who had a father wound who hated my dad. There's a common ground developed there. And now, now a relationship is formed. And I believe that time develops trust. Trust creates relationship. And then and only then will relationship open the door to discipleship. If I don't know you and I don't like you, I'm not going to tell you anything. And the problem with what we're doing in the church uh, is we're doing that first Saturday pancake breakfast. And then we kick yeah. guys out the door for four weeks. You can't form a relationship with anybody if you're meeting once a month. My wife never would have married me if I, if I took her out for burnt pancakes the first Saturday of the month. Yeah. And then came back and then waited four weeks. So we're kind of we're kind of doing it wrong. The, the greatest relationships I've seen among men are formed inside of a Humvee outside the wire when there's an enemy constantly trying to kill you. And all that matters is you and the three guys you're with. And that's what being in the church should be like. I mean, every day of the week, men need a fire team of guys, three other dudes around them. They can call at any hour, any time and tell them anything. And that's my mission as rough cut men only I do it in a very unique way. We were at, I joke, we were at the movies. Every church is doing it before, before movies were cool. I wish guys would understand that they need to have a squad or a fire team of guys in their lives. And, and, and you're right. It has to be weekly. It it probably now it it probably can't be daily just because it's not realistic, but monthly is not going to work. And so, well now David, how do you question, uh, you talked about your TTPs, and the first thing would be to take out the comms tent. How do you how do you personally maintain your comms tent at home with your travel schedule? Does Joni come with you? That's got to be a challenge for you, huh? Normally, if I go internationally, she does. That's what I thought. But yeah. I, 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 on this last New Zealand trip, the pace was just so fast, and we have we're going back in in December to Sydney because our son is graduating, and. I had to make a decision, you know, a financial decision. You know, you can't go on both trips. Mm-hmm. Which one would you, what, if you want to go in December, we should probably wait until then to buy two tickets all the way to Sydney. So that was really a financial decision. But under normal circumstances, she goes with me. If I go to the Pacific Northwest, my mom and dad live in Lake Oswego. My sister's in Beaverton. So she usually comes with me so we can get some family time as well. Uh, but we both work from home. Uh, she's a, she's a professional photographer and my, my right hand, my helpmate, my, my ministry battle, um, every day. So, I mean, when I'm not on the road, which is typically Friday, Saturday, Sunday, maybe Monday, if I'm on the West coast, the rest of the time I'm sitting 10 feet away. Yeah. So we're, we, we, we share a lot of airspace I, there. I can usually tell, uh, when things are, you know, let's just say when she asked me, Hey, when did you say your next trip is again? then I know I've actually kind of overstepped and it's, you know, that's, that's just the way it is. But um, we spend a lot of time together and we invest in each other. Uh, Do we do it perfectly? No. Do we pray enough together? Absolutely not. And that's on me and it's my fault. She keeps bringing it up and I'm being (laughs) really transparent with my fellow bald brother on the other end of this line right now. I receive um, it. (laughs) There are things I wish I did better. There are things that I prayerfully try to do better and then drop the ball. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, when the kids need us, we drop everything and go. We drove to Greenville on a, on a whim just to support our son. And um, the priorities are God's first. My marriage is second. The kids are third. The ministry is fourth. And that's the way it, it has to be in order to keep those TTPs well, straight. The reason I was asking is that I, you know, I have a pretty extensive travel schedule as well. But I, my wife two years ago became a flight attendant. So hmm. she's gone all the time. 
And so she's in Hawaii right now, and she's on a four-day, so she'll be gone for till Saturday. Yeah. But we've had to find a new normal, a new rhythm. And so there's a there's a definitely a definite new rhythm established when one of the uh, one of the mates or one of the partners is gone a lot. So that's really good, man. Hey, we're gonna take a break here from our sponsor. We're gonna come yeah. back at you after a cool. second. The Men in the Arena is a nonprofit organization with the mission to inspire men towards becoming their best version and changing their world. Every man in the arena matters. Our Men in the Arena closed Facebook forum for men is a great way to dialogue about manhood with men from around the world. There we have lively discussions on every topic of manhood imaginable. Join that group today. Because of the passion to see men get out of the bleachers and into the arena, Jim wants to offer some powerful resources to all men who visit our website at meninthearena.org. Give us your email and we'll send you a free PDF version of the field guide. It's Jim's 365-day bathroom book for men. It's the study of manly words in the Bible, illustrated with great stories. This is also a great resource for all our arena men. We'll also add you to our weekly equipping blast, including Jim's personal blog, prayer requests, and weekly boots on the ground mission. Men, the stakes are high. The pressure is on. Do you hear the roars of those you love and those anonymous voices in the bleachers pleading for you to enter the fight? Because when you get it, everyone wins. Now, back to our episode. Hey, hey. so so I'm going to go back to something you said early, early on. And I think this is what lights your passion and I love it. And you made a comment, but you didn't explain it. And I just want to go back to it before we get into who's got your six video series. You you said okay. you want to help men to not make idiotic mistakes that you made. What yeah. are what are give me a give me the top three? I don't I don't want you to share yours, but what are the big mistakes you see men making that you're really trying to curtail in their lives? Uh, the, the first one is isolation. Oh, for sure. Because because isolation opens the door to everything else. Uh, whether in the military we're seeing suicide, like I mentioned, you know, we got soldiers killing themselves at a ridiculous rate right now. One every about 22 hours. Um, so isolation is a killer because it manifests itself in, uh, feeling bad about yourself, feeling bad about your marriage. Well, I'm not, you know, mama ain't happy with me. And then suddenly the pornography door opens, um, looking for ways to be acknowledged, uh, outside of their marriage, whether it be, you know, I'm going to become a workaholic. I'm going to become a gymaholic. Um, I need looking for attention because, Hey, you know, negative attention is better than no attention. And I think we're, we're seeing a lot of that where men have been marginalized, not just in the culture, but also at home. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that, and that hurts, you know, that that's, if you want to knock a man down, hit him in the ego, you know, uh, sad, but true. If, a man's self-confidence begins to deteriorate. He looks elsewhere uh, to shore that up, whether it's uh, a plaques on the wall and certificates of accomplishment or college degrees or sports. Uh, and suddenly those become the idol. And when God is removed from the throne and something else becomes an idol, that's when you're on your way out. Yeah. For uh, sure. My mistake, my, my, honestly, my, my mistake was I didn't listen to the wise counsel around me. Um, mm. I, I had people saying, are you sure you want to marry that woman? And I'm like, well, you know, everybody else is doing it. Now, you know, my ex died in 2009. But, yeah. Um, uh, I was looking around going, well, shoot, man, we're all at a bar. We're all hammered. Everybody's asking everybody to get married. I'm going to ask her to marry me. And I went and told my dad, who I refused to listen to because for all those years he was an idiot. Now he's brilliant. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
he said, are you sure you want to marry that woman? Cause marriage is forever. And, and I didn't listen, you know, I had multiple people telling me it was a bad idea. I did it anyway. And of course, lo and behold, uh, ended up divorced. Now I, I can't disparage the divorce because the divorce led me to my salvation. And I wouldn't be talking to you for sure. Or 999,000 other people. Had I not been through what I've been through. Cause I'm stupid transparent. When I talk to a group of people, I'm very open about, my son's suicide attempt, uh, my marriage, uh, my failed marriage, her death, all that stuff. And I think that resonates with men too. Transparency starts on the platform uh, until we're, you know, if we're not transparent in the crowd, then, then uh, nobody will be. Yeah. And I, I think there are maybe the, I think the generation above us thought transparency was a weakness. And yeah. I think with our generation, we're seeing it as a strength because the generation below us, if they don't see our transparency, they'll never trust us. There, there's a huge. We have to. We just have it's to true. be transparent. The the millennial generation wants authenticity and trust and vulnerability. And if we aren't willing to give it to them, we're not going to reach them. And that's our job is to reach that that generation below us. I, absolutely, the Snapchat generation is what I call them. Oh, buddy, I'm not on. Are you on that? I'm not on that. Oh I, yeah. Are you? Come on, son. Come on, you gotta dude. Catch up. No, I just up, I, I just draw the line with that in Twitter. I'm. So <laughs> oh, I I can't do I can't do Twitter anymore. Actually, I've stayed off my newsfeed because I'm I'm mortified by the things that I see and and I just uh, I don't need that. You know, I yeah. got life is hard enough. Life is hard enough without. Enjoy I haven't watched the news since 2016. And uh, I've never been better. The world's still spinning and life's moving on. So I just, wow. uh, I, I, I don't care. You and I, <clears throat> dude, I, I, I'm, the, I'm the same exact way as you. If I want the news, I'll hit my weather app. And I actually just got so sick and tired of the stupid game. I went to the county clerk's office a year ago and I said, I want to get away from any political party. I'm independent. <laughs> I yeah. just am done. I'm just done with the I, system. <laughs> I, I, I serve one king, and he's got a capital K. He sits on the throne yep. in heaven, and when he gives me the marching orders, that's what I do. Other people's opinions don't matter. Uh, oh, I love it. Well, hey, just so our listeners don't throw stones at me, I do vote every year. and so oh, you, As do I. Yeah, and, you, I. and they can guess and, what I vote, but uh, hey, no party. Hey, and I, I tell people I've got a political opinion. I'm just not going to tell you what it is Yeah, because you don't need to know. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not, not going to. Yep, exactly. I'm not. I'm not going to change your mind. You're not going to change mine. Let's be friends. Let's go shooting. Well, and here's you know, the and here's the deal. Let's go do some. Well, here's the deal. If I start hammering my political opinion now, I've just now I've just taken my ministry potential and I've cut it in half. Well, and on top of that, when you like I served the United States Army Chaplain Corps at a formation wide level. Uh, the commander in chief is a commander of chief regard commander in chief, regardless of political affiliation. And you cannot say anything negative about whomever is in office. So I've just made a point of respecting the chair. Yeah, for uh, sure. regardless, because I don't, I don't need the United States army saying, you know, we're sorry. You just disparaged our commander in chief. You're no longer welcome here. Not worth it. So speaking, it. speaking of the military, I yeah. have to confess, bro, I've been confused for all these years. Rough Cut Man to Me spoke military, watching, <laughs> I, I, you gave me open access, which I appreciate, into your video series, uh, Who's Got Your Six, which is wonderful, yeah. and it really looked, it was targeting military. 
Your, but but your main ministry is men and churches, and the military yeah. thing just kind of happened. So tell us yep. how the morphology of your ministry moving into this really unique niche, the the military. Well, uh, social media, believe it or not, man, uh, really kind of started the the snowball. I I connected with a guy at Officers Christian Fellowship, which is an organization out of Denver that has, they have outposts on every, at every uh, service academy. So West Point, Naval Academy, Quantico, uh, and they're also on post. And it's a, a place for Christian officers to get together and fellowship uh, while they're at, at a particular, while they're at a particular duty station. And they asked me to come and I finally connected with a guy at the Naval Academy. And he said, yeah, come and speak to our mid our midshipmen. So I did. Uh, went and spoke to those guys and then they invited me to their, their national conference where I got a chance to meet all of them. And I got invited to West Point and then I got invited back to West Point. Uh, only this time it wasn't as a representative of, of officers, Christian fellowship. It was to, to deal, to talk to the core of cadets. Uh, so suddenly I had a little bit of credibility in the army and a guy in Korea invited us out there and, uh, I, I flew out to Seoul, Joni and I did, and we did a, uh, two events over the span of a week and a half, uh, one up in Seoul at uh, Garrison Yongsan, and then we did another one down in Daegu, which is in the southern part of the peninsula, and there were chaplains there who were speaking in between my main sessions, because chaplains are pastors and they got to say something. Yep. Uh, well, it turns out that this is back in 2012, this is where we really penetrated the army, Um Every one of those guys ended up being a colonel, a chaplain colonel somewhere at a very high level. And so what it did was they, I was able to reach out to them. I had their numbers. We were talking. Uh, and I started doing rough cut men in the military. Now, I ran into trouble using the name rough cut men when I got to For the sure. 101st Air. I was doing the Screaming Eagles, 101st Airborne. And the JAG Corps, the Judge Advocate General, someone came over and said, you cannot use gender-specific terminology because women feel excluded. And I said, well, I'll call it something else and we'll call it Who Has Your Six. And so that's the name Who Has Your Six hasn't changed any of the content on the chaplain side. It's just a different name to open it up to, to both genders. Although it's man-centric, it's still a men's event. Gotcha. We changed the terminology. Then it morphed into something completely different where I am now speaking what I would classify as a unit-friendly sense. So this becomes mandatory training, meaning an entire brigade of 5,000 people have to sit and listen to me for four hours uh, in a, a de-isolation anti-suicide initiative uh, using the same content but removing the overt faith. So there's no, I'm not preaching Jesus in front of a bunch of soldiers because I can get a whole lot of hot water for that. Uh, so now we've got that track and I've done that. I just came back. I did the first brigade of the New Zealand Defense Force using this unit-friendly, non-faith-based version of the same thing. Uh, and so we ended up with these two parallel tracks where I've now spoken to the 82nd Airborne, the 1st Cavalry Division, the 7th Special Forces, 3rd Special Forces, 3rd Infantry Division. I've been in Germany with uh, uh, two different garrisons there. I've been in Korea, obviously. I've uh, been all over the place with the Army. And uh, it's really great because now the Chief of Chaplains is also a really good friend. Um, so I'm hoping that we're not done yet. But one of the things that we did do is we created the video series that you alluded to because I can't be 
every place at the same time. So we created the Who Has Your Six video series. Now, what you looked at was a, a website called whohasyoursix.org, and that is our military website. Now, all the, all the phrasing terminology, everything else on the body of the, of the website is Army-centric. It's even co-branded with the Army logo in the upper right-hand corner. But the videos themselves are faith-based men's ministry videos that we just stream in from a vault into the website, into an empty pane. So we have the, these videos are often a secure offsite streaming facility, and they come in when you click a link on the video, uh, and that's how you watch the video. So they're not embedded in the website. They're somewhere else. So you're getting ready to launch a brand new series for churches Yep. called Who Has Your Six, yep. but it's, it's developed for churches. How is that different from the military version? The only thing that will be different is the terminology in the PDF facilitators guides, the terminology on the website. Um, if I tell you, you can use, you know, you can use these videos in virtually any AO, you're probably not going to know what an AO is unless you're military, which is an area of operations. And that's the kind of phrasing that's in, that's in those things. And obviously it's mil the PDF facilitators guides are military centric. Those have all been reworked. Um, our website, roughcutmen.org, has been around for a decade. It needed an update anyway. Um, the videos are accessed through a secure login portal, so you need a username and a password to get to them, which the Army obviously has as needed. Um, but we don't have that capability on our current Rough Cut Men website, so we have to revamp it to make it accessible uh, for the video series. Now, the videos themselves are the coolest thing I've ever done. And I'd be happy to, to don't know how much time we have, but I mean, it's the, it is the coolest project ever because of what God did while we were doing it. Uh, I use movies, obviously, as my primary vehicle of discussion, but I didn't want it to be my ugly mug standing in front of a podium in some arena and then transfer over to a video from Saving Private Ryan and then come back to my ugly mug for another 20 minutes. So what we decided to do was we went wherever the movies were filmed to do all of the speaking. So I'm wired up. We have, uh, we used it. We had a drone, a time-lapse camera, a stable cam assembly. Uh, and then we also had some audience cameras and, and all kinds of stuff, overhead boom. And I went to, I filmed Rudy in the game day locker room at Notre Dame. We filmed Forrest Gump on the deck of a shrimp boat in Biola Battery, Alabama. Uh, Walk the line. We filmed in two locations. We filmed that partly in Sun Studio where Johnny Cash recorded his first music. And then the second part was in his, Boyhood Home in Dias, Arkansas. Armageddon, we filmed part on the floor of Mission Control at Johnson Space Center and the other part inside the Vehicle Assembly Building. Not on the uh, moon? Cape, Not on the Cape moon? Canaveral. Hey, man, I tried. Come on, uh, have I, some I, cojones. I, I, I wanted to do, I wanted to, I honestly wanted to do Walk the Line inside the wire at Folsom Prison, and we had approval and everything, and then it all fell apart. That would be at awesome. The last, at the last minute. We were going to do a live, a live audience of veterans. It would be the only live video in the series of eight and it just, it just didn't work. Hey, out. I got to tell uh, you, David, I got to tell you, man, when you filmed on the beaches, when you filmed yours, a video on Normandy, yeah, that sent chills up my spine. Talk <laughs> about that. Talk about that video. Yeah. Well, for years I've wanted to do a video series. And I said, if I ever do a video series, I want to be doing, I want to do top gun on the deck of an aircraft carrier. And I want to do Rudy in the game day locker room. Like we did. And, I uh, said, so, but if I'm going to do Saving Private Ryan, it ain't going to be in some national cemetery somewhere with crosses. I want to go stand on the sands oh. of, Oma of Omaha Beach. So we we packed up the production crew, 
and we had no permission, man. We had no idea. Oh, really? Encounter. I didn't tell anybody. <laughs> so we get to, we get to Charles de Gaulle airport. We load up all the gear in the back of this van and my wife is with me. And I'd only done that one other time when we went to bio battery, we had no plan either. And God of course did exceedingly abundantly sure. beyond anything we, we could ask or imagine. So we get to Normandy and, the beach is like a beach, bro. I mean, there's people out there riding beach bikes and there's yeah. horses and people laying out getting a tan. I'm like, this is, is completely irreverent. You know, they're yeah. standing on a beach where 160,000 allied troops hit the sand. Uh, so what we did on the saving private Ryan video is I, I, I invariably, I speak before the clip and after, uh, there's B roll of the movie embedded in the clip. And of course, uh, embedded in our video and the movie clip itself which is why we have to keep it streaming. I can't burn it to a DVD and give it to you because then I'm violating fair use yeah. cop copyright law. Uh, but one of the most powerful things I've ever done is I walked through Nazi firing positions and bunkers. We filmed the front half of the video on top of a Nazi bunker overlooking Col um, Pont de Hoc where the second Rangers scaled up. Uh, and then it goes to the clip, uh, which is really the last six minutes and 34 seconds of the movie Saving Private Ryan. And then when it comes back, I'm standing in the exact same place in the exact same cemetery as the old man, James Ryan, at the end of the movie. And it just, we had to stop filming probably 20 different times because I lost it. Because you're, yeah. I would be stand, I'm looking out over the sand. One of the moments I totally lost it was I actually kneeled down and I ran my fingers through the sand and picked some up. Our producer said, get on your knees, pick up some of the sand and let it fall through your fingers. And when I did that, I just, I lost my mind. I was trying to speak a couple of times and it just got all, it got all messed up. And, you know, every time I went on and off the field, I stood on the corner and saluted uh, 9,387 fallen United States soldiers who died about 200 meters away from me on that sand on June 6, 44. Uh, powerful. And that's what I love about the series is each video is 18 to 20 minutes long. The idea is get the guys together for an hour 20 minutes of video, 35 minutes of talk time. Uh, and they're powerful. One of the things that happens when guys watch it, uh, I don't, I tell the leaders, don't let the guys know where I am. Don't tell them where we're going to be. Just start running it. Cause a lot of times I don't tell you where I am until later on. And the army guys will come in on like the third week and say, man, I wonder where this guy's going to be this week. You know, and that's, oh, yeah. that's like the anticipation of, of not knowing the video clip or where I am on location. But, it took us 18 months and a quarter million dollars to film the project, and now we're uh, we're set. We're going to release. We're officially it's it's available now. I mean, if somebody wanted to know how to access a subscription to it, all they would have to do is send me an email. Uh, probably the easiest one would be David at roughcutmen.org, uh, and I can send them all the intel on how to how to subscribe to it, how to get access to it. Uh, right now, you'd be going through the Army portal, so you just got to get over that part. Uh, but the rollout's going to be November 9th at the Iron Sharpens Iron in Syracuse, New York. Uh, we are tracking to have that all done by then. So um, I was supposed to keynote that event last year. <laughs> Were you? Yeah, I ended up opting hey. out. I went to Albany instead. Oh, did you? Yeah. Well, and he, hey, so uh, yeah. I, I have our mutual friend, Rick Johnson is speaking at my yeah. church's men's retreat for 2020. But how about 2021? Will you come and do it for me? Bring it, man. Tell oh. Rick I said hi. We have, we have the same agent. Oh, no. And I saw I, – <laughs> oh, really? Because I've got Greg looking at some stuff I'm writing. <laughs> Greg, Greg's got mine right now, too. Yeah, I've sent my th – he's he, he's actually looking at my stuff. He's very interested, so that's cool. Hey, uh, so you can put a good word in for me. <laughs> I didn't yeah. know that you had him. 
Anyway. Yeah, no, I, I saw Rick's book in a mechanics shop here in Florida. And I'm like, all right, if that guy's getting Rick's book in a mechanics off, I mean, like 10 of them. Like if, if his agent is that good, I got to have that agent. So I sent Rick a text. I'm like, I need to know who your agent is. That's exactly what so I that's, did. That's, that's, that's exactly I what I did. Up. Hey, and I'll tell you what, Rick's, Rick's a great author. He's coming on our podcast for the second time here in a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, he's a he's great a author. Man. But but so here's here's my question, uh, uh, David. Yeah. I, I've, I'm curious. You do six videos, right? Eight. Eight videos. So, eight videos. So your typical... Uh, your heart is men, men's ministry. The typical event a church puts on is a men's retreat, weekend retreat. So how does that play out during the men's weekend retreat? Do you break it down into two videos per session? Normally there's four sessions. How does it work with you when it, you go into churches? In the live setting, there's two ways to do it. There's either a Friday night from 6 to about 9.30, and then, which means you pick up the guys on the way home from work pizza, whatever you want to do. And then we go eight to noon on Saturday, or we have the standard, you know, like nine to four, eight to four all day Saturday. I've found that the the former works better than the latter uh, because trying to get a guy, especially the target you and I are after in the 25 to 45 age range yeah. with young kids, uh, they're coaching sports, they're doing all this different stuff. There's just no way you can pull a guy off the grid for an entire Saturday and not have collateral damage. So we've found that the Friday night Saturday works better uh, the cool thing is that if you miss Friday night, you don't miss anything Saturday. It's not like missing, you know, an episode of the office and not having any idea what's going on now between, you know, Jim and Pam. Uh, it's, it's very, um, there are two very separate things. First Friday night, the front half is always team building and there's two videos embedded in the first 55 minute session. Then there's a breakout session of about 20 minutes. And then there's this, the second session's about, 55 minutes to an hour and five, depending on if I ever land the airplane that I'm circling when I'm talking. Uh, and that'll have three videos in it. And then Saturday morning, uh, we have two and two. So there's usually a pair, two or three videos per session. They run anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour, depending on uh, which topic it is. There are lots of breaks. There's lots of breakout discussion. Uh, there's an altar call that just will blow your mind if that's your thing. Some people do, some people don't. I'm Pentecostal. So I tend to spontaneously just combust on occasions when I'm on the platform, uh, and I swing from the chandelier and that kind of thing. But um, hey, well, I'll bring my rattles. I'll bring my rattlesnakes. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, no, I've, I, and I've honestly, Jim, I've worked with every denomination you can name for sure. Uh, every Lutheran, Presbyterian, every Lutheran, you know, ELCA, LCMS, Baptist, Fundamental Baptist, Catholic. I've been men or men, dude. I mean, for sure. it, the bottom line is the stuff we're dealing with irrespective of how we choose to worship on a Sunday morning, whether it's the liturgy or whether it's Pentecostal or black stage and bright lights, who cares? We're all struggling with marriage, children, money, our jobs, our identity and our legacy. And that's what I bring to the table. So it's the goal of any of our live events is very simply to help a church get their men connected. I put the onus of connection back on the men and take it off of the church. So when you walk out the door, you better have a date figured out with one of the guys you better go meet for coffee go fishing go play golf go shoot spend time together because you pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up uh, so you you recommend when you come to a church your your sweet spot is that that event is done at the church and not four hours away at a retreat center i've done them every which way but backwards brother i mean i have done uh in churches as a regional thing here's the here's the struggle with the church a regional church event 
is the Baptist guys won't go to an AG church. The AG guys won't go to a Methodist church. So you end up with this denominationalism that ends up precluding guys from coming. I think offsite events work better. A lot of what I'm doing now is uh, uh, either denominational events where it's like an entire conference of the United Methodist church represented by 40 different churches that bring, you know, 10, 20, 30 guys a piece, whatever. Very rarely do I do churches anymore. It's just, it hasn't, I just don't think churches are investing in men like you like you mentioned before. Yeah. So I don't I don't think we're seeing as many many people wanting to do church wide events unless it's a big church, you know, eighteen hundred, two thousand people. They'll do big events. I did uh, Chuck Swindoll's church last October, a year ago, this month. I did Stonebriar Church, and they had like five hundred and fifty guys at their retreat. It was off site. I mean, it's Chuck Swindoll. I mean, yeah, for sure. Everybody everybody knows him. Um, and that was, you know, that was a kick. It was a challenge because following a week after week of a, of a expository preacher like him is pretty difficult when, you know, you're a, a gun toting, you know, rough cut men type, but it worked. Um, ideally I've done everywhere from 20 men to 2000 guys at a church event, uh, sweet spot 50 to a hundred. Yep. Yeah. And, and usually if you're going to do a weekend retreats are, are, are hard to get guys to commit to also because they're cost preclusive and they require a, a significant time investment. You're going to end up with the same 20 guys that go to your retreat every year. And you're going to miss the other 850 guys in your church because time is, is, is all we got. You yeah, know, I mean, they're, sure. they're, they're hyper invested already in a bunch of other things. So I've found that the Friday night, Saturday half day format is by far the best one because we have guys that punch out Saturday can't make it but they do come Friday night that's all about battle ready brotherhood on Friday night it gets more introspective on Saturday morning where we deal with soul wounding father wounding and legacy building uh, just breaking the generational cycle that may be in our life from our father and our grandfather and that kind of thing uh, and forgiveness to extend it to, to be that new identity in Christ and to introduce people to the new creation that would be Saturday so they're two very different topics so you can miss friday and and not miss a thing if you show up saturday morning and vice versa uh and it seems to be the most effective and believe it or not people will say ah people aren't going to come on saturday we see an uptick on saturday from friday night because we end up with a bunch of rabid fans who are calling their buddies calling their buddies saying bro you got to be at this thing tomorrow morning you'll be out by noon we'll go grab lunch just do it and we end up seeing a lot of invitations go out from the Friday night overflow, which is awesome. You know, the guys become their own advocates for their brothers. That's really good, man. I'm going to, I'm going to get you out here. So now I was kind of, I thought you just did the video series for military. Well, which is true until now. Nope. And so now, I'm, you know, you had me on the book. I wrote the book on a dare after I had already presented the live content over 500 times. I was out. I was out to lunch with a publisher, and he said, "Man, I like your blogs. Have you ever thought about writing a book?" And the whole time I'm doing Teen Challenge Centers, I do about 22 of those, the Christ-centered residential drug recovery. People kept coming up to me saying, "Hey, is your is this stuff in written form?" Because I'd love to give it to my dad. And I'm like, "No, it's not." So I wrote the book on the back end of presenting instead of the other way around. So the book is just the product of of years of presenting this content live. Well, I'm I'm glad we got to have this conversation because I was. <laughs> totally screwed up 
And so I'm excited. Oh. That's why I'd never called you to come out and do a thing with me. I just figured the video was for military and that was your nope. gig. So that's, I'm no, really, man. I'm personally encouraged and I feel like I military. disappointed, I disappointed you as a friend. No, it's all good. <laughs> so. No, I'll tell you what, if, if you're, if you are listening and you've got prior service guys or you're near a post, I mean, it's, uh, I, 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 oddly enough, I'm not prior service, but I quack like a duck, look like a duck. And even the ducks don't know that I'm not a duck most of the time. Uh, it will really resonate with military guys, but I, you know, taking it a step beyond that, I, in the DNA of every man is a desire to belong and fight for something greater than themselves. For I sure. Mean, John, John Eldridge talked about it in wild at heart. And it's yep. been going on ever since. Uh, and it's true, you know, just because I will occasionally veer into a military analogy, uh, there's not a lot of difference between the real battlefield and the battlefield for men's souls. And, uh, if you want to win it, you got to fight like a like a war fighter. No, and I love what you said earlier. You said every time you come and present, you want guys to walk away with two things. You want them to change one part, 1% of his life the very next day, and yep. then you want no man to leave without cover fire. In other words, you want a guy to leave with a buddy or some some make, group. Hey man, make a date with somebody. You know, you're we're hyper connected. If you want me, you can get me on Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, email. I got eight email addresses. You can text me around the world because I have an iPhone and you can text anywhere. There's no way I couldn't get a hold of you, which would hold water with me because I'm always available. Even on planes, they have Wi-Fi now. There is no way you can't reach me. So I tell guys, turn to the guy next to you or turn to whoever the Holy Spirit has shown you to be a guy that you got some, you spilled the same blood in the same mud, whether it's divorce raising stepkids, financial struggles, bankruptcy, pornography, whatever. If you, in the time we've talked, you've found a guy who's, who's got some, you, you've got some common ground and go get coffee, go shooting, go play golf, do whatever it is you like to do, because it's not, it's really not what we're doing. It's who we're doing it with. And, and, and take the next step to get to know a guy a little bit better because time develops trust and trust will create relationship. You can't do them out of order. For sure. So if you don't spend time with somebody, you'll never trust them. Man. Hey Dave, thanks so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. So yeah, roughcutmen.org. Roughcutmen.org. You can reach me on the contact page there. If you want to know more about the, who has your six video series. Uh, and I'll, and I'll let you know my book is available. My first book is available on the website as well. Uh, along with Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all that. But if you want a better deal and it's signed, you get it on my website. Shipping is included. First week and the in video May, series too. First week in May, 2021 dibs on it. Dibs. I'll, I'll, I'll send, mark you down. I'll bro. send you an email. Hey uh, guys, what's the Copy next that. step? Let's get our boots on the ground. What's the next action item? Here it is guys. If you followed my boots on the ground tip from about three months ago, you've already done this. But who is your two o'clock buddy? Who's that guy you can call? Who has your six? If you don't have that guy, listen to what David is saying. Go find that guy. Have a cup of coffee with him and sit down and, and get every guy should have a guy who has a six. So if you've already got that guy, then here's your action item. If you read, read David's book, Rough Cut Man, which I highly recommend, he talks about something in that book and we talk about it on the podcast, episode 122. I did this, Dave. I uh, went through my social media and I, I purged 500 to 1,000 women out. Nice. And, I, and I call them dangerous women. These are women who I don't know their name. I don't know them. I don't have a relationship with them. 
Uh, there are women who maybe were ex-girlfriends in high school or college. Uh, there are women who love their bikini pictures. I just deleted yep. them. I just got rid of them. And so, guys, if, if you've already got your battle, buddy, if you've already got a guy who has your six, I want you to go into all your social media accounts and start purging them from dangerous women. So there you that's, go, guys. That's well, I'll tell you what, too, Jim. <laughs> what I the, the question I always ask myself is why am I friends on social media with that person? If exactly. you can't come up with a good answer, bye. She looks good in a bikini, David. Get them out. <laughs> because I'm telling you, man, the enemy puts his foot in the door and he'll kick it down. Hey, you know it. You know it. Hey, guys, uh, we're going to post this boots on the ground action item on our weekly equipping blast that goes out to men all around the world. You can get that when you grab a free electronic version of my bathroom book for men. Make sure you head on over to Facebook. Join the Men in the Arena Facebook forum for men. If you don't like Facebook, We've got a brand new form for men on our website at meninarena.org. Guys, we're a nonprofit, crowdfunded organization. We exist to inspire you to become your best version. Because of a large group of great, great financial champions, we're able to offer this podcast, weekly equipping blasts, and all of our resources for free to active military missionaries and men in underdeveloped nations. You can find out more about that on meninarena.org. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Who's got your six? Grind it out. And be a man. Men in the arena. If you hunger to be your best version, join us along with thousands of men from around the world. Check out our Men in the Arena forums. You can join on Facebook or on our website at meninthearena.org. While you're on our website, remember to pick up your free electronic version of Jim's Bathroom Book for Men, The Field Guide. It's a daily study of manly words with epic stories in the Bible. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.